Welcome to All Along the Wasatch, a public affairs program produced by Bonneville Salt Lake City. If you would like to submit a request to be on the show, please email mparsons at ksl.com. Now, here's the host of All Along the Wasatch, Mike Parsons. My guests today are from Bear Oak Care, and the website is bearocare.org. Michael Braga, who is executive director, and Trudy O'Brien, who is manager. Thank you so much for for uh, giving me some of your time today. Oh, thank you. Michael, maybe let's start, you know, the very beginning, which it sounds like is 1998 when you and your wife are going to adopt a son named Brandon. And later on, you ended up calling him Bear. Maybe we could start at that point and then bring us up to today. Sure. Um, 98, my wife and I were both um, students up at the University of Utah, kind of doing the college thing and let's expand the family and uh, realized we couldn't on our own. So we put in our paperwork to adopt. And when you do that, um, through the agency we use, LDS Social Services, they ask you what you will accept as far as full African-American, full Asian, partial, um, partial everything. And the last two they ask you is deaf and blind. Okay. And um, will you accept partial deaf, full deaf? Well, we're like, we can do that. We could do full deaf, blind. We could do a fully blind child, sure. And um, not thinking anything of it. And then not even a month later, they called us and they said, Mike Ruth, this, there's this little boy born. Um, he is deaf and he is blind. Um, the family that was going to adopt him, um, they're not sure if they can. So we, we're not comfortable with him take, them taking him. What do you guys think? And we, we thought about it and prayed about it and got an immediate answer that this was our little man. So we went and picked him up the next day. Um, and that was June 10th of 1998. And really, Brandon just changed our world. At the time, Ruth was a, a survey of theater major at the U, and I was working in restaurants. And since then, um, Ruth has gone on to get her uh, registered nurse uh, degree, bachelor's in nursing, master's in nursing. Um, and I went to left uh, restaurants, went to the U for occupational therapy, and then um, grad school for uh, deaf-blind education. Uh, so you so really just... So you both really just shifted your whole life to to help this kid. We did. The last thing the birth mother asked us, she said, just take care of him. And I said, I will, I promise. So we have done everything we can to to make that promise come true. So we we moved to Pittsburgh for about seven years so he could attend Western Pennsylvania School for Blind Children. Um, And then when we came back, um, we had him attend Kari Sue Hamilton School, which is in South Jordan. Uh, Riverton, sorry, Riverton. And um, Trudy was his uh, deafblind specialist or his intervener. So that's where we got to know Trudy. And, and uh, she studied deafblind education, has her national certification in that. Um, and she and I just became close through the process. And um, as Brandon got older, I realized that there's no, once they turn 22, their educational opportunities are gone. The state and federal no longer provide. Right, there are certain there there are certain assistance that that is involved with the school age kid, but once yeah. they, they get out of that school, I've heard some describe it as even a cliff. It sure is. You just get dropped off a cliff, and everything that you knew for twenty years is gone. And Trudy, uh, she couldn't stand seeing the kids that she had worked with for so many years lose everything that she worked on. So the two of us decided we really wanted to open a center that specialized in, in adults like Brandon. So I left my job in the corporate world and 
Trudy left her job with Kari Sue, and the two of us said, who needs 401ks and who needs <laughs> uh, permanent steady jobs? Let's do this. Oh, man. And that, that was seven years ago, and here we are today. So, so Trudy, um, kind of maybe tell this story from your perspective. When did you first meet Brandon, and, and how did that change the course of your life? Sure. Um, I, I was hired on by the Utah School for the Deaf and Blind and given training to be a communications intervener and ended up with Brandon after I had um, served a couple of other um, clients. So in that it, learning what I needed to learn as far as being a, a, an intervener, I found a true desire to help communicate um, with, with these particular clients and to help them communicate with the outside world. And it became kind of a, a puzzle for me. I really love puzzles and um, you you adapt to how you're teaching and how you're, you're talking, how you're communicating to how that child communicates. And so that just enthralled me. And that's what um, got me to Brandon. And um, I ended up with Brandon as his intervener for probably seven years. Um, it was close to that. And in that time, I had gone to see one of my clients who had graduated and was really disturbed to see that she was now staying in a nursing home um, where they had taken away her communication, which she had built um, out of a, a paint can. She had put things in there that would tell people what she needed, like uh. a piece of a, a, a brief, a diaper that said, I need to be changed, or a spoon meant I'm, I'm hungry. And people who don't know what that is looked at it as being a pail of garbage. Right. And so it ended, up, it ended up getting tossed out. So what? she was angry and frustrated with the world. I am sure. I, maybe just back up just for a second. I noticed on the website that you are a nationally credentialed intervener. I've never even heard the term intervener before in this context. So what does that mean exactly? Um, the technical way of putting it is that you're, you intervene on behalf of the deafblind child to communicate with the world for them on their behalf, and you help the world communicate to them. So exactly what I said, I was trained to look for how they communicate. Some will use their eyes, some will use their, their hands, some will use body movement. Um, and once, once you figure that out, or pick picture cards, pictures of, of items, you know, any way that they can communicate, you pick up on that, and then you build a communication style for them so that they can communicate to people what, they, what it is that they need. Not everybody can sign. Um, our clients happen to be multiply disabled, and most of them are unable to use their hands for ASL, and so it's important that they have a different form of communication. And Michael, maybe you could yeah. talk, talk a little bit, Michael, about multiple disabilities. You know, it's hard enough having a disability, but we're talking about kids and adults who have more than one disability. What right. is that? Um, what kind of challenges does that entail? Well, people think, may think that deaf blindness is deaf plus blind, but it's really deaf times blind. Oh, wow. Yeah. Blindness can really take you away from the outside world as far as movies, um, pictures, things like that. And our clients aren't necessarily 100% blind, but they have high levels of vision loss. And then being deaf can take you away from the social world because you can't communicate as much with others. So really, deaf blindness can take them away from, from everything. And they, they start to 
dwell into themselves, look for self-stimulating behaviors, things like that. Um, you know, when you meet one child with deaf blindness, you've met one child with deaf blindness. Mm -hmm. They are, they're all different as far as how they communicate, how they interact. Brandon, um, my son, aside from having deaf blindness, he is tube fed. Um, he has, he is, um, has to wear a brief and diapers. Um, he has a, a tube in his stomach where we pour in an enema to help him use the bathroom. Mm. Um, and he has to use a wheelchair for long distance. So a lot can go into that. Um, so we wanted our center, Barrow Care, to focus on adults um, who have these multiple disabilities. So if someone comes to us who has autism or Down syndrome, um, you know, those are very difficult things to deal with. But we focus just on our clients on the more severe end so that we can focus on their unique needs. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it's not just deaf blindness. It's other combinations of disabilities, correct? Correct. Absolutely. So we have a criteria um, where they have to score at least eight points in order to qualify for our services. And that's things like alternate means of communication, cognitive delay, dependent on others for activities of daily living, um, a whole list of things. So we have some clients who can see, can hear, but they still have, may have a tube uh, feeding or brief dependent. And even though they can communicate a little bit, most of them just verbally repeat what they hear. Um, so you have to learn that even though they're sitting there saying, doggy, 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 they might be saying, I need to be changed. I need mm. a drink. So, so because of that, we, um, like the state, will allow seven clients per every one individual, mm -hmm. one professional. We go four to one. Mm. And we keep our client list rather small so it doesn't get too chaotic for them. I'm always impressed with nonprofits who find a very specific area of focus. And it sounds like that's definitely what you've done. It must also be difficult, though, to turn people away. <laughs> it is. Trudy makes fun of me. She Maybe says you could I'm take, just a big softie. <laughs> Maybe you could take that one, Trudy, because I like the laugh. <laughs> I, I'm laughing because um, this is a, a, it is tough. It's really tough. And both Mike and I have got huge hearts. We we want to help everyone, and it's it's horrible to see the pain in parents' eyes when they come in, and know that you can help them, but we may or may not have room, or they don't meet the the criteria for what what you know that needs to be. And so, again, I laugh because um, Mike and I take that very seriously. That we have to poke fun at each other. Or you just drown in that pain because mm. you do want to open up and, and help everyone that you can. Of course. My guests today are from Bear O Care, and the website is bearocare.org. Michael Braga, who is executive director, and Trudy O'Brien, who is manager. Michael, tell us a little bit about the facility itself because with different combinations of disabilities, I would think that that would require lots of different things. Oh, absolutely. Um, we're in Riverton. Um, by the Petersons and the IFA there. Um, we've got about 3,500 square feet. Uh, I think it used to be an office building, a phone center, but um, it's very, it's one level, very wide open, bright lights, um, really quiet in there. But then we have separate rooms. We have one room that's a, a sensory room that where we have uh, lights in there. We have a floor to ceiling lava lamp. Um, and we have some sensory boards with things like carpet or sandpaper or different textures for the clients to feel when they're feeling overloaded, we take them in there and let them kind mm. of um, decompress. And a lot of the items we use were donated from Eagle Scout projects. I love that. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they've been great. 
Um, when we first opened Barrowcare, it was really my wife Ruth's idea to go nonprofit. She said, we have to make this a nonprofit. We have to. And I, I tried to argue with her. I thankfully <laughs> lost. And on a monthly basis, I thank her and uh, remind her how brilliant she was <laughs> in that. Um, but yet, yeah, it's, it's a flat facility. Um, we have multiple changing rooms in there for changing briefs where the uh, owners have put vents in them for us. Uh, we have things that you wouldn't expect when you go in, like uh, lifts and uh, hospital bed gurneys. But then we also have love sacks and recliners um, and a lot of wheelchairs. <laughs> a lot. And, and Trudy, this sounds like a fairly expensive proposition. So, so how is Barrowcare funded? We're contracted with the state, and um, so there's a lot of our clients who get funding through the state. And then there, we make some exceptions for, not exceptions, but we reduce the rate for those who are self-pay, who have no other way of paying, and to try and help them get some time so that they can work and get away. And I was looking through your Don't website. Forget. I was looking through your website and your Facebook page, and this is so much more than just like a care facility. You actually have lots of activities. I saw lots of pictures of a foam party. <laughs> We love Foamtastic. I'm going to throw their name out there. They're amazing. And they helped. They threw parties for us uh, even while COVID was, was going on. Uh, we tried to help them because they're a small business. And they came in and made sure that we could still do something fun for a, a fun activity for our clients. So, yes, it's, a, it's an amazing thing to do. And to go back to funding, we also rely on donations from, you know, anybody who wants to donate to us. <laughs> and like the wonderful kids from Riverton High School, in the yes. peak of COVID, they still did what they call Silver Rush. And they raised enough in 10 days for us to buy two buses. Oh, that's fantastic. I saw that so on your website as well, $90,000 with high school kids. That is impressive. High school kids. Yeah. Yeah, I really hope that the next generation isn't as bad as we sometimes think. <laughs> that they, they have a big heart, and there's some wonderful kids out there. This seems like a very specific, like I mentioned before, this is a very specific thing and a very specific population that you're serving. Are there other places like Barrow Care in the country? Uh, nationally, I'm not sure. I don't know are any that are specifically into the intense and like ours is. Um, Trudy, what was the place in Boston that we visited? <laughs> um, you, you're going to have to ask Mike, or uh, Ruth, excuse me. Um, <laughs> we went, we flew out to, to Boston because there was one particular one. I think they closed due to COVID, but mm. um, they were pretty amazing. So, mm. but, no, I don't think because we're specific to what we do and who we serve, I don't think there's very many like us, no. Mm. It seems like you're you're having success, so it's it would be great to have that duplicated. I mentioned the foam party, but Michael, what other sorts of activities um, do you take your clients on? Uh, we love to take them out into the community. Uh, so bowling is a lot of fun. Going to the store, um, going out to the mall, going to a diner like Jim's, where they can set. Even though a lot of them don't eat by mouth, we want to make sure they get that social aspect that we all get from eating. Um, so movies, diners. Um, Parks, really anything that we can, we can bring fit them all to. They enjoy. That must be a big undertaking, though, moving your clients. <laughs> we we probably look a little different. We pull up <laughs> in the van and um, in our uh, paratransit bus and unload a dozen people, and each of our staff is pushing two wheelchairs each. It's it's different. 
Um, and a lot of our clients thrive on routine because mm. it's what they know on a day-to-day basis. So we we have to take our time with them. You can't rush sure. them or you will uh, they will throw a fit, deservedly so. I just would think that just a trip to the park would be such a major undertaking with all kinds of logistics and planning. This is actually where where volunteers come in really handy. We've had uh, we've been lucky to have a couple of groups a couple of times a year who help us get to bigger community outings where more of us can go at at a time. That's great because that was my next question is what kind of volunteer opportunities are there? So definitely helping with excursions and outings, but do you have other volunteer opportunities, Mike? We do. Um, we have where we'll have groups, uh, be it a, a, a business, we'll have all their employees come or we'll have church groups and they can come help do things like clean the building and the buses. We will get uh, other projects together that we need help putting together. Um, we have a lot of students that come in and interns, so we love that. Um, unfortunately, for people who are looking for service hours that are court-mandated, we don't allow those. <laughs> so, and on your website, uh, barrowcare.org, there is a tab right at the top that says, How Can I Help? And there is a, just a, so many different ways that can, people can help, and, and different levels, too. If I just want to kind of make Barrow Care my my Smith's recipient of those donations, I can do that. If I want to get more involved, there's some some great things there. And then uh, there's also a list of things that you can use. Maybe, Trudy, you could talk about some of those. What are some of the things that you need donated? Well, I, and not where I'm looking at the the website, and I don't know if it's been updated, but since I'm I'm there daily, I'll tell you what, what we go through the most. And um, what we need help with would be um, uh, things like we we go through um, what we call uh, shirt protectors. It's a, a bib, basically, that's made out of towels with mm. ribbons um, so that we can tie them on if they would like to protect their, their clothing while they eat. And um, we're now running at, at, at a uh, very low with those. Um, we go through um, snacks for the um, clients. We we do give tastes like pudding and um, applesauce, soft food type things that can be shelf stable. Mm-hmm. Um, we go through a lot of um, office supplies, um, and as a nonprofit, that bites into your budget. So you know, printer paper, um, tape, uh, you know, all sorts of things that you would use um, in an office because we run a full office as well. Really, really, anything anything that any any business would like. I, I have the website pulled up, and I've seen the urgent needs at the top. Hand sanitizer, soap refill, paper towels and toilet paper, cleaning supplies, uh, latex yes. disposable gloves. The kind of the stuff that any household or any business would need is also what you need. Yes, and I'll actually tell you, during COVID, we stayed open except for one, it was a month and a half, I believe, Mike, right? Um, right, about five weeks. Yeah. Right. So we we stayed open. And the reason why we stayed open is because we do constantly clean and we do go go through those items a lot. We're constantly wiping things down our, because our clients are more medically fragile. We kept our, our bubble really small, um, but we still do that. Influenza A has been going around. And so we're really careful with um, wiping um, surf, all, all types down. And Mike, so, yes, Mike, I'm glad we've got a, just a couple minutes left because I also want to talk about KSHSSIBS. That is a, <laughs> a, 
the initials of something that is much longer, the Kari Sue Hamilton School, super incredible, brothers and sisters, which I think sounds super fun. Can tell us a little bit about that. Oh, you bet. We um, we opened SIBS, um, Super Incredible Brothers and Sisters, at Carsu Hamilton because being the sibling of a child with multiple disabilities can be very difficult. Um, you know, you I'm, I don't know if you have siblings, but we I all do, get many. that sibling rivalry. <laughs> yeah. We all get that sibling rivalry going, but when your sibling has multiple disabilities, they get the physical therapist, occupational therapist, intervener, all these people that come to the house and mom and dad can be busy running your sibling here and there and everywhere. So these siblings can really feel left out and it can be very difficult for, for them to be talking to their friends and be like, yeah, my 19 year old brother wears diapers and my 19 year old brother uh, can't talk and only eats baby food. When they go to the SIDS groups, they can say that and the kid next to them will go, Hey, mine too. Oh uh, yeah. So we really want to give them a place to let them know. They're awesome. What they do is awesome. Um, you know, my daughter, who is 21 years old, she drove me up to the hospital today, and my son was in the back seat. Brandon was in the back seat, and he was laughing at, I think, nothing. Who knows? Um, <laughs> but Mindy was like, hey, you making fun of my driving, you jerk? What's your problem? And having a full-on conversation with him. And it's just an amazing thing that she has developed as his sibling. So we wanted to make sure we could foster that. And let these kids have a place where they could come and, and have fun too, and go to their sibling school and see what it's all about. I love that. And the principal there has been super supportive, so it was great. I love that. And and what you have at the top of your website is support for individuals with multiple disabilities and their families. I think the and their families part is probably a very important part. Oh, absolutely. We have a parent support night um, where they will come to BOC. Just the parents, mm-hmm. no kids. No specialists, just us parents. And we sit and commiserate together and joke around together. And it has become very, very helpful. Well, it's a wonderful thing. I have driven past a couple of times your your location and thought, Barrow Care, I wonder what that is. And now I know. And uh, it's an amazing thing you're doing for your son and for the community as well. Uh, Again, the website, barrowcare.org, if you want to find out more about how to help or if maybe you know someone who might be a potential client, bearocare.org. It's Michael Braga, who is executive director, and Trudy O'Brien, who is manager. Thank you so much for your time and what you're doing. Oh, thanks for having us. We appreciate it. Thank you for listening to All Along the Wasatch with Mike Parsons. If you would like to submit a request to be a guest on the show, please email mparsons at ksl.com. That's mparsons at ksl.com.